Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hi there, Dr. Avine Banish here. Welcome to the Wholehearted Healer podcast. This week I have Dr. Kathleen King as my guest. And Dr. King is an expert on chronic illness, chronic trauma, relationship and attachment repair, and inner child healing. She has this rare combination of an in-depth doctoral level education and training, over 20 years of coaching in the health and healing world. And she's also been through her own heroine's journey spending almost two decades of her life navigating through deep, debilitating illness. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. We talk about um, topics that I think can help those who are suffering from chronic illnesses or symptoms that Western medicine can't really seem to define. But um, even if you're feeling pretty good and maybe just a little bit stressed out, I think that um, Dr. King's wisdom really shines through in our conversation and that you might find her work very helpful for your life. So um, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kathleen King. Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. I'm really excited this week um, because I have a guest um, named Dr. Kathleen King, who was recommended to me by a dear friend, um, Christy Delaney. I'm going to give you a shout out. Christy and I trained together and we've been um, over the years um, keeping in contact with one another about um, all of the cool different ways of healing. We trained as physicians together. And um, Christy spoke so highly of Dr. Kathleen King and her healing work um, that it made me really thrilled when um, Kathleen accepted my invitation to be on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, And so Kathleen, I just wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit about your story. Let's just start there. Sure. I uh, have the story that many people probably listening have of lots of chronic conditions that seem like they make no sense. And one thing coming up after another year, after year, after year, feeling like there's some weird cosmic joke happening, you know, first it's Lyme disease, then mold toxicity, then Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue and oh, autoimmune hormone issues, thyroid issues, uh, dysautonomia, digestive issues. So some of you who are listening might know that, um, that path. You're like, what is wrong with me? You see all these healthy people and why is my body struggling? And part of the story is that I also grew up in that classic uh, setup of childhood trauma, very high ACE score and did what many of us do, which has become perfectionistic um, achiever, went to physical therapy school, got a doctoral degree, succeeded and then crashed. Right. Yep. I bet uh, many people here feel that way. And then it's the discovery of trying to figure out what's wrong and how to fix yourself and using that very 
intellectual, intellectual medical mind to do it and going from doctor to doctor, therapy to therapy, shaman to shaman, (laughs) trying it all that obsessive, endless, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get better? And my journey spanned, you know, really intensely over a decade and almost 20 years in total of being very ill. Almost a decade, I was mostly bed bound. Um, I had two small children. I had to have full-time care. I wasn't able to stand for very long at all. I would start to maybe feel better for a couple of weeks and then crash. And I did that for years. So I missed pretty much all of my thirties and, um, near the end of my thirties, uh, I really, um, recognized that I wasn't going to be able to fix this. I had been at it for, you know, 10, 15 years in the, in, in, in trying to fix myself. And fortunately I had a background as a physical therapist working with chronic pain. And so I understood a little bit about mind body disorder, but I didn't have chronic pain. I had chronic infection. I had mold toxicity. I had all of these things that I didn't think applied the same philosophy as chronic pain, which is really a surrender process Mm -hmm. and recognizing that what you are experiencing doesn't mean threat. And I started to Uh, come across some research on limbic system retraining, limbic system impairment, as it relates to infection and mold and Epstein-Barr and all of that, that sounded so similar to the chronic pain approach that I used to take. And I was like, well, maybe it is, um, maybe if I stop trying to fix myself and I just start focusing on my perspective and surrendering to a diseased body an infected body, maybe something will happen there. And I had a few key experiences where almost immediately when I started changing my focus from fix, from trying to kill an infection or trying to detox and rather shifted the way my hippocampus amygdala structures were communicating my filtering systems of my brain, I had some improvement in symptoms and I had even more a sense of alignment with spirit and self that I recognized this was the path for me, which is surrendered self-realization maybe is the best way to put it. And I use science to help me do that initially neuroscience, brain mm-hmm. training, some functional neurology, uh, vagal toning, but not to fix my symptoms. And that's the big piece of my story. I did these things to align my identity to truth and allowed my body to have its own journey and its own timeline. So I'll pause there. <laughs> So my story began and summarize kind of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's so beautiful. And I, um, I've been studying some functional medicine and, and that really is booming in popularity now. And while I think that that's a really good approach for some people, I think that that, you know, what I see is that people, um, first there's relief. I think if you, you know, cause my body is that way too, like unexplained, medical illnesses without a title, without, you know, that Western medicine couldn't put their finger on and starting to feel like, am I a little crazy? Um, but what I see from a functional medicine standpoint is, you know, heaping a lot of protocols and supplements and that there's a right way, there's gotta be an answer. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing it right, then, then I'll do it a different way. And it's just, it's a bit exhausting. And so your approach or your, your, you know, what you say about surrendered self-realization, just like my whole nervous system is allowed to take a breath or something. There's such a spaciousness in that, 
that I think is missing from a lot of the healing, you know, in that functional medicine sphere that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're describing the pathway that I call the fix it pathway, which it's beautiful to have these answers of what's happening inside your, in, in your biochemistry that functional medicine can offer. And often the setup of chronic illness can be perpetuated sometimes in that model in that the setup is there's something wrong and I need to fix myself. And whether that starts off as perfectionism and overachieving and then translates into micromanaging every little biochemical aspect of your body from a mindset of fear. And that this is my solution rather than this is my stabilization support while I go in my self-realization pathway. There's a, there's a difference. And a lot of people ask, well, are you against taking medicine? I'm like, no, it's about the reason why are you take, are you putting your, um, your, your eggs in the basket of this, uh, this medicine, this treatment will save me and fix me. Or is this something to provide some stability so that I can do some deeper work of surrendered self-realization, brain retraining, recognizing it's not the pills that fix you. It's not the doctors. It's not the tools. It's not even my program. It is you coming home to you. And that is your anecdote and that there is nothing inherently wrong. Your body knows how to come into balance. Maybe it needs some help in some ways, but you know, let your doctors decide that keep your mind out of it. You keep your mind focused on what, what fills you, what do you want to do? What, what helps you stay? What, what makes you thrive? What makes you have joy rather than, you know, I know for me, I focused hours a day on these protocols. You know, I did all sorts of, um, all sorts of healing modalities and healing techniques, and it consumed my day trying to fix myself. And, you know, in the way that you, so I, I entitled this podcast wholehearted healer, not because I think that's what I am, but because I think that's what, that is a path for all of us. And it, it has to do for me with, um, the way I describe it. And and maybe it's, I can either feel really compressed or I can feel spacious. And when I'm spacious, like I've suffered from migraines since I was 10. And so what I understand now is that when I am in a migraine state, if I resist it, the pain actually gets worse. Whereas if I can find spaciousness in it, and I don't know if I'm describing this right, but the pain, the physical pain actually lessens, like there's space for it. And I, that's a little bit what I hear in your, in your description of your own healing path. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Because in the resistance, we are sending the message that there's something wrong. And really the body's always trying to resolve itself. And when you resist whatever it's trying to do, it can't resolve it. It can't come back into balance because the process of either detoxifying or figuring out an immune response is perceived as threat. And in the spaciousness of a trusting in the body's wisdom, um, you know, it, it knows how to come back into balance. There's, it just does. And we just have to trust that. And unfortunately, I think we have a program that we need something outside of us to teach our body how to come back into balance rather, you know, these, these, these supplements, the pills, et cetera, are supports and aids, but the body has the wisdom and with a surrendered approach and focusing on that, which we can control, which is our own internal alignment, um, the supplements, the tools, the protocols, 
they just work a lot better because we're not getting in the way. So yeah, it's a big, um, it's the hardest thing I see in working with people is breaking apart, breaking away from the fix it mentality into still having a seeking going on, but more a seeking of self versus seeking of the solution to the body. And you talk a little bit about, you know, on your website and in, I've watched some interviews you've done about embodiment and, and that seems to be a, like a buzzword in the healing world right now. And for some people that might just sound like a strange word, like where else would I be, but in my body, <laughs> um, can you talk about that and talk about the importance of embodiment and why, how can we, you know, be living and talking and breathing and not being, and not be embodied. Yeah. Just expand on that. Sure. So our consciousness, we're often in our mind thinking, analyzing, resisting, but, and we often feel like we reside in our mind, um, just our awareness. There is a, there's an, there's an awareness and a consciousness, um, that we can experience through a body-based perspective, but often our bodies have these symptoms and feelings and sensations that we resist that we actually resist experiencing life through our bodies because being in them, we, what we feel, we misinterpret as threat or wrong or whatever, or maybe as we be in them, we have emotions that arise that we don't want to be with. So we, then we intellectualize. I think we often intellectualize our experience as humans. Um, and so really by being in the body, it's allowing your consciousness to become aware of the experience as a human of our body and not just our mind and especially non-resistance to what we feel in the body by getting rid of story. And I teach a lot about embodiment through the felt sense experience detached from story and starting to practice um, the awareness through our heart or through our gut or whatever. Um, and it's just really difficult for a lot of people in the chronic illness pathway, because when they drop in, they don't like what they feel and therefore they, they kind of dissociate and come back out while yes, their body functions, but they're not actually able to take their body as part of them um, and part of their, their whole experience. Yeah. And I, I mean, people on the chronic um, pain or chronic disease pathway, but I think more and more, perhaps just humans in general are living that way. Yeah. Yeah. We're being pulled out of our body through primarily technology and our body. We become embodied with a lot of face-to-face -face contact, eye contact, polyvagal regulation that happens that we're just um, unfortunately <laughs> being targeted to pull out of that um, so that we lose our gut instinct of what's right and wrong. And then we can be controlled, frankly. So out of the body means that it's very easy to manipulate and to have someone choose for you when you can't feel your gut. Yes or no anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what do you say to someone who um, may be fortunate enough at this point in their life that they have not been down that road of chronic illness of unexplained symptoms? Maybe they're just feeling kind of stressed out. Maybe they're having a little bit of trouble sleeping or turning off their head at night. Um, how can your message and your wisdom be applied to those people? Yeah. 
Well, ultimately the path of chronic illness is one where it's almost like a gun gets put to the head of find what you love and find yourself to relieve your suffering. But those that don't have necessarily that gun to their head, they're just not enjoying their life. I would say that probably you're also not in touch with who you are and what you love fully, or else you wouldn't be feeling that way. And that life, there's so much more available to you by consciously creating your life. You know, this, these are things Joe Dispenza says. He says, don't wait till you're chronically ill to create your day and to discover who you are. There's such a, we get so used to kind of the coziness of life, like, oh, it's cozy, but I'm not really sick. That's the most addictive drug is familiarity mm-hmm. and coziness. And, and it's not my favorite, but you know, it's, it's unfortunately a program and a frequency that enslaves us. So I would say you're enslaved and to really consciously look at that, like life is not meant to just be this blah, get through, not sleep well, but you're, you're, you're comfortable enough where you're not being forced to change. And I think it's actually harder for some of those people to discover who they are and to start thriving because there isn't an impulse to change. There isn't a strong enough impulse to push them out of their cozy, numbed uh, state. And I see that as, um, you know, it's, it's a problem. And I also see more and more people getting woken up through having chronic stress responses get worse and worse. And it is, it's unfortunate as, as that is, I also see it as a catalyst to, you know, continue to help the consciousness of humanity awaken And then, you know, we've typically choose suffering for that path. We don't have to, that's Mm -hmm. what happens. So where this understanding of consciously creating yourself can hopefully at some point, you know, become um, taught and understood as a young person, like I can create my life. I don't have to just, you know, get through life and then, you know, it won't hopefully take so much suffering to help people's consciousness expand into who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you have, um, clients and friends and family members as do I that, um, but I'm so busy, right. But I have all of this stuff to do and, you know, 10 or 20 minutes of meditation in the morning, that's like a deal breaker. I can't fit that in. Um, and so what do you say to that kind of common response in modern day life? Um, I love that the idea that spending time doing things you don't love all day long and to give up what you don't love doing all day long. I, I, I love that somehow the, the ego sees that that's a better option than taking 15 minutes to come into self so that you could spend all day long doing what you love. In other words, it's like you could literally spend all your time not enjoying your life. Or you could have a delayed gratification and actually learn to love the practice of meditation or brain retraining or whatever it is. It became like, I loved it. And then actually enjoy your day. So, you know, I guess it's like, do you want to spend your time not enjoying your day? Or do you want to spend your time thriving and transforming and seeing beauty? That's the choice. Mm -hmm. And um, you spoke about brain retraining. Um, For someone who doesn't know what that is, can you describe that? Yeah. Brain retraining uses the science of self-directed neuroplasticity, the science of nerves that fire together, wire together. So with brain retraining, we are lighting up pathways in our brain that are maybe unpleasant, uncomfortable, 
while we're also lighting up pathways in our brain that are pleasant, joyful, and something we look forward to, to unite those pathways together, to be able to uh, help the stress in our body and in our nervous system uh, be resolved, to help our habitual thought patterns um, become thought patterns that are more pleasant and more life affirming. So it's just a way of consciously um, changing the way that your brain thinks and operates, changing the way that your brain associates, changing the way that your body functions through using our capacity as conscious creators to perceive um, potentials, our capacity to remember good things, our capacity to choose to see something as good versus wrong, and using the capacity as these conscious beings to literally reroute our, 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 our brain firing pattern to reroute the functioning of our own nervous system to consciously self-regulate our biology. And um, as long as you're breathing, you're not too old to do that. Is that correct? That's right. The brains are, our brain is, neuro, is neuroplastic our whole life. We didn't used to think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been, you know, probably the last 10 years, it's getting more popular that we're not a slave to what we grew up in. I mean, I grew up in severe trauma and, you know, I, I, I have absolutely done a ton of brain rewiring to see life differently. Um, and that even no matter how long you've been ill or chronically ill, you can change your brain firing pattern, which ultimately runs your body, Lyme disease, mold toxicity. These things are a brain firing pattern an identity pattern. Illness is an identity pattern identity. How do we change our identity through the way our brain is firing through the way that we are embodying our bodies. So we're able to change that. And that's, what's so hopeful. And that's, that's the good news. That's really good news. I mean, especially, um, for people who, um, Western medicine, you know, they may be at the end of the line where there's no answers, where there's no, and there's a sense of hopelessness. And I think that that's, it seems where your work has been so profoundly helpful for so many, um, the name of your program or one of your programs is primal trust, which kind of made me pause. And, um, I like the sound of it. Can you describe what that is and and how that came to you to name a program that? Yeah. So my, program, my community is Primal Trust Academy and Community. And it came after my search of uh, figuring out what was missing inside of me um, to be able to regulate my biology, to be able to be in this body. And the term primal trust was used by a mentor of mine who was doing a sound healing process with me. And she had a name, she had a bowl that was titled primal trust. And she Um, as she was playing the ball, I asked her what that frequency meant. So it was a frequency. And she's like, oh, this is the Schumann's resonance. This is actually your, your third and your fourth chakra connected to the earth, connected to the all. And I'm like, that's what I've been searching for my whole life. Primal trust. That's it. That's all I need. That's all I need. And in that moment, I was like, that's all I'm working for. Every tool, every technique. I want to restore my primal trust because if I can handle it, then I don't have anything to resist. If I can be with it, if I can feel connected to the earth, to my body, to source and have that run my nervous system, I'm okay. So primal trust is the inherent feeling of okayness in your body, in the world, in life itself. I would like some more of that. I mean, that 
that is just such a beautiful, right? We're all part of, you know, in, in my awareness, um, we're all part of the earth. We're all part of one another. There's a oneness. And so if we can kind of rest into that, that seems like the answer. It gives us capacity. It gives us that sense of spaciousness to respond to life as it's happening rather than push it away or react. Cause it's, you know, we know that when we brace against things is when we kind of get injured more. And so that allowing is really just a beautiful vision. It is. And it is my vision. And, you know, on my website, the first thing I say is I have a vision of grid holders of primal trust all over the world, because I know that if we can hold primal trust in our own body, we regulate our family and our families regulate our communities and our communities regulate society. We're able to be thinking, functioning adults. We're able to be nurturing, uh, have a nurturing presence for other. We're able to accept messy humanity, accept um, that this is not a perfect world, that we live in a world of duality. And within that duality, there can still be a non-resistance. And so to me, it's like, it wasn't about healing Lyme disease anymore or whatever. It was about becoming a grid holder of this frequency for my body, but for my family. And that's what my whole program is about. You know, they come, everybody comes to heal their body, but they leave wanting something so much greater, which is to be embodied and to have presence for people around them as well. And to spread that frequency, that is the healing frequency. It doesn't mean you always feel perfect, but it means that you're surrendered to something greater. And often the body does run better when we do that, you know, but that's, that's the body's business of what it does. That's your higher self's business of what it, what it, what your path is. Um, And your business is to, to discover who you are and live your best life with what you've been given and, and to create and to, and to create using your, using your mind to create um, and recognizing that that's where your joy comes from. And in primal trust, we have access to our creative potential. We have access to our higher self. We're able to be in the body. We're able to handle the tough stuff. Um, You know, and, and at first I think the ego doesn't always love this answer because it wants control. It wants to know like, well, well, primal trust, heal me. Am I going to be, can this fix this? And I purposely keep pulling off from that answer and not giving the ego what it wants, because that's the whole problem in the first place. I'm like, I don't know if you get fixed, but I know that you're going to be fulfilled. Um, And I know something even greater than having your body be in control will come to you through this. And yes, often bodies tend to um, learn how to resolve themselves when they're given that space to do so. I love how you say that resolve them. It, it, it reminds me of music, like, right. When there's that moment of tension and, and at the end of say a, a musical piece, and then the note resolves and it's, yeah. um, and like, there's this like sense of, ah, I can, okay, I can rest. Um, you speak about, um, a, a regulated nervous system and to someone who, we all know what that is when we're, when we know how that feels, but can you describe what that is or how most of the time we're walking around, not in a regulated nervous system? Yeah. So a regulated nervous system, first of all, it doesn't mean that you're always calm. What it means is that when disruption happens, you have the capacity to come back 
to calm and into center. It is normal to have a sympathetic spike in anxiety, fear, et cetera, as life hits us. A regulated nervous system can move through different states of nervous system activation. It can go into activation of sympathetic fight flight. It might even go into like, I feel really tired. I need to rest, but ultimately can come back into center, into connection of, I can still live my life. I can get my things done. I can connect with people. So nervous system regulation is the flexibility to handle the stress in life. And all often people don't have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of distraction techniques and then eventually body like shut down as the distraction techniques start to wear down. So it's about, it's, it's, it's a lot of people go into neurosystem regulation, just wanting to calm down, not have anxiety, not have the stuff. And I'm like, that's not human. <laughs> Sorry. It's not human. We're meant to ride away. That's what we want to be able to do. And so someone listening who now is like, am I regulated? Um, do you have any simple tips or techniques? Yeah. Regulated people are able to listen to others. They're able to be in conversation and listen and, uh, you know, have good eye contact regulated people wake up in the morning, um, typically without dread or overwhelm, but they're like, okay, today I'm going to do this regulated people, um, are able to respond in a conflict rather than react. They're able to, um, you know, think before, you know, speaking regulated people, um, can feel stress about something unknown and still choose to do it. So there's choice with regulated people. Uh, so those are a few things I would say. That really sounds like a wonderful, like the family I want to live on it, live in the the workplace I want to be associated with the world I want to live in. I mean, that, that sounds like uh, a loving and civilized way of being. Yeah, it is. It's, it's what I want to, and what I'm trying to create. Um, Not perfect. I'm still a mom that sometimes reacts instead of responds. And that's my work of continuing my rewiring based on my childhood to be able to be more and more of that grid holder, a primal trust as often as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so Kathleen, someone listening who may be struggling with, you know, chronic illness, who your words may just really be resonating with, how do people work with you? Yeah. So what I've done is I've created an online platform called the Primal Trust Academy and Community. And I used to have all of these different courses. And what I've done is I've arranged a all-in-one membership. It's a low monthly membership where all of my courses are there and all of my live coaching. And I have all of these other mentors that are helping me too. So it's not just me anymore. I have a whole community. We've got mentors. We literally have a class almost every day to help with the basics, nervous system regulation, which would be level one. We have classes for level two, which is the inner work, parts work, attachment repair, deeper somatic work. And then we have a level three, which is emerging out in the world and handling relationships and handling those challenges. And so we've got this multi-leveled program that you could start from the beginning and go right through. Or if you have experience in this kind of thing, you could jump right into level two. Everything is available. So there's like a roadmap of primal trust, if you will, 
But the coolest thing about it is how you work with me is uh, we're doing this in community. So it's a lot of live classes. We have live study groups. We have live buddy practices. So it's like you can work one-on-one with friends. We've got other mentors that do one-on-one. We have small study groups, larger group classes recorded. So some people want to just do it recorded and they just want to watch in their home and everything is recorded. You could do it that way too. So we've got an introvert answer and an extrovert answer. Um, But my goal was to make the most um, affordable program with the most level support, capturing, you know, brain retraining, somatics, we've got sound healing, we've got life coaching, we've got, I'm trying to create truly a platform of primal trust where the opportunity is there. And that's all I can do. I can't create primal trust for you, but I can give you the opportunity. Um, so it's, it's really cool. We, we just launched it in, uh, December. We've got, you know, almost 400 people in it already. It's just fabulous. So I'm really excited about, about it. I'm really excited that it exists in the world and in the future, maybe we'll teach this to our children in school. Yes, I know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much, you know, um, you talk a lot about, um, neuroplasticity and all the wonderful things in the brain, but you are a very open hearted. You're, you're very heart centered person. I feel that. Can you just, maybe as we sign off, just talk about what wholehearted healing means to you? Yeah. Our ability to, um, bring healing to ourselves and to others is by embracing our wholeness, which is our dark and our light. And part of my journey has been finding the capacity to hold space for the shadow frequencies within me and my family line. I came from a lot of abuse and I had to learn that, you know, we've got thorny stems and beautiful roses. Each one of us wholehearted healing is being able to grasp the thorny stem of our own imperfections and those around us and to have a way of doing that. And so to me, the way I do that is I learn how to regulate my nervous system so that I can handle the thorns in myself and handle the thorns in others so that I can wholeheartedly hold space for me and for them. Such a profoundly beautiful answer. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to link your website and all the details to your community um, in the show notes. And um, I look forward to all the great work you're doing in the world and those that, that will meet you and join you on your journey in the future. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I love, I love being able to speak to an audience that's willing to listen to this stuff. So thank you so much. Thanks Kathleen. 